0: As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes.
1: Welcome to Androids Dungeon on CFRU 933 FM, broadcasting normally out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Androids Dungeon on the radio, or your favorite podcasting websites, or on the website itself at CFRU.ca. Androids Dungeon is a show about movies, music, games, books, things that irritated one of us when we walked into the studio in this case things that would be irritating one of us walking in the studio would be something irritating our spouse your dog barking in your face cats uh maybe raving derelicts walking around the ward which surprisingly there's not that many a lot of dirtbags but they keep to themselves uh which is well, it's you know nice, it's dude. that's the flavor <laughs> you son of a <laughs> <laughs> uh Android Dungeon, games. That's our main focus. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Games,
0: games, games. Uh, well, I was in the Guelph City Championships for disc golf, and then I uh, went to something called... What, what do they call it? Named it after the person.
1: I have no idea. Tribute?
0: Uh, Detlef Con because that's the last name of the guy who owns the place. But it was weird. You ever been on down Fife Road? yes and then she kind of you get out of town and then you get into this kind of weird area where it's just these long dirt roads it was down at the end of one of these really long dirt roads i was for me i was thinking like okay mansion but no it was just this tiny little like kind of cottage it was quite nice but then they had this big shed which i guess was this workshop
1: yeah, the shed looked is- like a murder shack, Joel, from the picture you sent.
0: <laughs> it was very much a murder shack. But a murder shack converted uh, by inserting a bunch of tables into a lovely little uh, game convention area. Okay. And how was it? It was pretty cool. I didn't show up right away because I was watching one of the touring pros play disc golf for a while, and then I showed up around 4 o'clock just in time to sit in on a little terraforming Mars. And then the big event of the night, which I was supposed to be teaching Food Chain Magnet, and I mm-hmm. even like brushed up on the rules before I came. But uh, Hassan had kind of developed a new obsession before <laughs> we got to that, which was last week he learned Clash of Cultures. And they finished at 2 o'clock in the morning, after about five oh. or six hours. Oh, my God. And he immediately said, do you want to play again? Oh, <laughs> all the my people there God. who all just groaned and left his house. Uh, but that was last week. So this week we played again. And thankfully, I think we started about 630 and finished before 10. So it wasn't too bad. That's more reasonable. So
1: before we get into this, um, we need... I need to establish some backstory about Clash of Cultures because we played this together with Mm -hmm. Josh and I think Gabe. And it feels like it was four or five years ago. That might be pushing it, but it feels like that long ago. And um, I did not mind it, but you had a very visceral reaction to the game that I had not heard you express in a long time. And it wasn't positive.
0: I kind of hated it at the time, didn't I?
1: Which was very strange to me because I, I, I didn't love it, but I there's I played way I've played way more games that I've hated than that that's for sure. So now we're back to fast forward to where we are now. They re-release Clash of Cl- Clash of Cultures. They call it the I think Monumental Edition because the I don't know if the original game was for sale or it was out. But the expansion was almost impossible to find, and a lot of people claim the expansion really fixed things or kind of like it made the at least the, the the cultures feel more unique or varied, which kind of makes sense in a Civilization 4X game, which is what Clash of Cultures is. Which is, I, I've heard it described as it's it's closer to Civilization, the board game than. And when I say Civilization, I don't mean the the Tresham one, but I mean the the uh, Sid Meier or Meyer version of it. It's closer to that being in board game form than the actual civilization game so mm. the, the game was out of print and then they reprinted it in this giant kickstarter that i was tempted to back just because you know it looked kind of cool and i liked that they'd fixed some things and added this expansion to it but the price tag on it was hilariously large it was just enough to make me go, oh, i don't think and you so. also
0: but, have clash well
1: that's it right like you, when you have 90 percent mm-hmm. of it and you just and then I remember I think at the shipping on it was so bad that I just thought this is I'm not doing this like I've got a problem but not this not this one so that's that I've established the groundwork here so now you can talk Joel.
0: Sure yeah and to be honest like I really can't remember much about our original playthrough or why I didn't like it and now that I've played it again I'm like. Is it because it's the Monumental Edition, or am I just seeing it with new eyes? Was I in a bad mood when we were over at Josh's place playing? I don't know. Yeah, But I loved this game. It was, wow. I really enjoyed it. Wow. And, you know, it's like you say, like, when you're talking about it being like the video game, like this one, of compared to all the other Civilization board games we've played, most uh, closely attempts to copy what the video games do. Mm-hmm right because it's got like the tech trees which are right there in front of you and then it's got you know all these calamities that you're mitigating through the techs which obviously sounds like civilization but yeah. in this case is like immediately required and then obviously you've got each unique race which is massively different than the civilization board game and all of their various perks and private tech trees and secret leaders. Or not secret leaders, but individual leaders. Mm-hmm. Which I think, just like any game where you're given something at the beginning as like a unique thing. If you're not leaning into that, you're not going to be playing well, right? Mm-hmm. So,
1: do you know much about
0: the Monumental Edition and what it changed?
1: I don't know mechanically what changed. Um, supposedly it streamlined a couple of things or they fixed up some rules that were a little ambiguous or little errors here and there but beyond anything specific, no, not a clue
0: I I think it really did, like it it made some massive changes, one of the things like events are much more frequent, I don't think, when we played original Clash of Culture, did you have three cubes that were set into your player board and when you removed the third cube an event would occur
1: I think that was in the base game
0: I recall it. those. You okay. yeah. well, made the with... events
1: more interesting. Sorry, please go on.
0: Yeah, what ends up happening is uh, like every time you remove a cube to increase one of your techs, you take it from these three slots on your player board. And then once you've removed all three, an event occurs. And pretty much all of them are bad. But you can usually mitigate them. And there's some very early techs that you can get, which just say, you know, like it has no effect. But then at the same time, there's always these barbarians on the map, which are both a threat and an opportunity. I feel like that's some kind of, like, BS uh, business thing. (laughs) It's like, opportunity is threat and... I don't know. I guess so. (laughs) I know (laughs) what
1: you're saying, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, because... Uh, barbarians will come and attack your cities and kill you if you, or kill your cities if you're not careful and you don't build units. And it's kind of like the point where you have to transition from like production, production to unit production and build yourself an army. Um, but at the same time, any city that is built of a bar as a barbarian city, if you have the units, you can just go kill. And when you kill it, you get the city. Mm hmm. Which is great. So it's like uh, it's an opportunity to expand without paying the cost of building a settler and moving it somewhere and creating a city, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um,
1: but let, all right, so let's get away from like the nitty gritty yeah. of of the of the mechanics of the game or these little things like that.
0: Yeah, like I feel like it's been so long since we described it. We should probably just start from scratch.
1: Well, it's like I think we can just do this really quickly. It is a four X game set yep. in, like, I, I don't know, Stone Age or Bronze Age, and you, like you've, Joel's already said, you have this, everyone has this lovely player board with indented cube spaces, and you're moving these cubes along, improving your techs and giving you abilities and unlocking, basically, powers as you, imp- as you progress along these separate tracks. And the whole time you're expanding, you're exploiting, you're exterminating, and you're ex- exp- exploring? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, yeah. the other one.
0: Yeah, and the exploring is really like there's two pages. Just, overs, yeah. Just describing how to flip over tiles.
1: Yeah. Which is, I've always found that to be some of the. That's partially why I love uh, t- tiling games so much, is I love the idea of. I love uh, sort of the exploring aspect of revealing tiles and seeing what's ahead and the unique maps that are created as uh, <laughs> stuff's built. So
0: that's I think Hansa Teutonica is the one with the fog as well.
1: Uh, no. um Uh,. Vi nebula Vi nebula, yeah, yeah, but uh anyway, so that's that's kind of the overview, and the there's all the combat-y goodness and chucking of dice and uh it, it's yeah. it's a weird it's a weird game, it's a big one, and i'm i think it's it's doing quite well for itself right now, but uh, I wonder if it's almost been you know surpassed by the 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 miniature heavy war games or the mm. um I, I don't mean like Warhammers, but I mean... I think it
0: still fits in the Civilization niche, though.
1: Mm-hmm. Various, no like,
0: the, the I, war games like Guinness and everything else like that. No, one, like, no, no. Like, uh, more combat-heavy. This one's bit uh, very balanced as far as production, technology, and combat.
1: Well, I just meant more in the sense of it, it feels like a relic of a different gaming age because you don't right, see yeah. these types of games anymore. They're usually just kind of like these i'd say um commander cyclades s games of putting stuff down and these extremely overproduced miniatures that in yeah. the, lots of emphasis on the production side and the gameplay kind of leaves you kind of going to...
0: It's funny i was going to mention Cyclades in sort of like when i give you the rundown of what happened but
1: okay sure so let's getting, get into the game getting ahead of things but um
0: why not right let's just talk about what happened so in Clash of Cultures, uh, you all start in a different corner, and you kind of, uh, like Jack said, move into the middle and flip over the tiles and like walk into the middle and learn what the what the terrain is and find all this water and mountains and forests and fields, and then you drop cities down and you exploit those areas by. Um, Activating the city and producing and then you get those goods and then you spend those goods on either technology or new buildings or new units now in our game I Was the Romans which is a sort of a militant group Um, and then there were uh, The Aztecs left to me to the left of me who were able to capture any People that they killed and then um like hold them for victory points or use them in some way. Huh. And then we had two other races I don't remember because I get I don't think they really leaned into them too much. Um, on the other corners, and so we all kind of expanded. And one of them just got really bad luck with barbarians. Barbarians huh. keep spawning, attacking, spawning, attacking. So they were just like kind of battered into a corner. Um, but as for the rest of us, you know, it was kind of this um one guy chose to just build you know like just build cities and stuff and not make Mm -hmm. any units and he did really well and then hassan was doing a whole bunch of things with his aztecs where he was capturing a bunch of barbarians and he was doing really well and i was doing kind of like a mix of both Mm -hmm. and the end game ended up being really close i think i i won with 44 to hassan's 43 Mm. and everyone else was doing quite well but i was the only one that built a wonder Mm. wonder is just a thing that you can spend a whole ton of your resources on and honestly don't feel like it's really worth it because there's other ways to get objectives and objectives are worth two and i think um wonder is worth four victory points and they'll give you sort of some in-game benefit but at least the one i had wasn't very strong so uh long story short uh, it felt a lot like sick ladies at the end because all of a sudden going last was like a super important uh, benefit. Uh, whereas earlier you wanted to go first so that you could kind of expand and do things before anyone else. All of a sudden it flips and you want to be the last actor because obviously everybody takes all of their actions in turns. I think we didn't mention that, but we each get three actions and we each take turns doing all three of our actions. Mm. So whoever goes last, then can look at the entire map and find a place to attack and go get it. Mm-hmm. So Hassan managed to go last. He managed to do some cultural influence attacks and then actually go and take over someone's city. Mm-hmm. But he had played this action card because he was worried because I had a whole bunch of armies that on my turn, I would attack him. So he had played this action card that was basically like a forced ceasefire between us. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't attack any of my stuff. So it was great. And that was basically
1: the way the game ended. Was sorry. Is this the 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 first time you played, or because you played it twice, right? Uh, no, Clash of
0: Cultures. We just played once.
1: Oh, okay. Right, it was cool. it was
0: a solid like four and a half hours, I think.
1: Did it move quickly too, or was there a lot of downtime you felt in between turns, or while well, kind of figuring what to do? I feel like it was. It had a pretty good flow going. It was
0: uh some note mentioned a couple times that it was much faster than the last time they played oh, okay although like by the time we finished like the guy who owned the place was just kind of standing there watching us finish
1: oh and everyone no else had
0: already left oh <laughs> no oh, geez. i think he was like he was fairly invested and interested in actually seeing what okay happened. So it wasn't the end of the world of him just like sitting there tapping his watch like when are you guys gonna get out of here
1: okay all right, That's, that makes me feel a little bit better, but still, mm-hmm. it was, um, yeah. okay. So uh, let's cut to the chase. Uh, do you recommend uh, Clash of Cultures
0: 2.0? Yeah, I don't know what it is because again, I don't really know the differences, but it seems to be much better. And I, like, I wish I could tell you why. <laughs> you know, I wish I could like pinpoint it. I uh-huh. think there's like a lot more events. Occurring, I think. I don't know if it was last time, but you can also get a free tech in between rounds. Was that a thing?
1: Uh, I don't recall. It's, it's honestly been so long.
0: Basically, everybody takes three, three turn or three actions, three times, and then like there's like a sort of a reckoning, kind of like in agri- Agricola, where it's like harvest time,
2: <laughs>
0: and in that period, you get among other things one free tech and usually that free tech also triggers a bunch of events because it's probably the last cube and then uh, so like a whole bunch of crazy stuff happens on the board one other thing I should mention before I give it a, like a, a rating is um, you can also just openly exchange anything like you can just oh. bribe, you can trade you can trade culture for happiness you can trade goods, whatever you want uh it's all just open market all the time you don't even need to be neighbors hmm. which i think you had to be neighbors to trade last time if i can recall correctly
1: well i'm trying to look that up now with the the differences because i'm really intrigued what the uh... yeah i was trying to find a thing on
0: bgg about it too and i couldn't find anything <laughs> except for one guy on the forums who said he liked it liked how it was now streamlined but didn't give any specifics yeah But uh, I would give the Monumental Edition uh, a solid uh, six cavalry out of eight.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I would highly recommend it to anybody that likes 4X games and heavy games, or anybody that's a fan of the Civilization video game, because you'll find a lot of parallels.
1: I'll have to get Hassan to uh, schedule a, a game night of it. I th- mm-hmm. It sounds like it should does not much persuasion effort. So,
0: yeah. Well, maybe you can do a cultural exchange. Speaking of clash of cultures, <laughs> yeah, right. He, he can teach you that. Well, and teach you. He can run that for you, and then you can teach him uh, food chain.
1: Yeah, that's right. Could do that, or uh, finally trick him into playing an 18XX, and uh, <laughs> then he can. He'll never play another one again. So. Yeah. Well, I did teach him 1830. Did did you do the whole thing? But
0: he did say it felt like work. Yeah. Well, it it can be work, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Needs to know the magic. Speaking of, what what is this token you got?
1: Well, that's so. We let's take a second here to thank um, fellow on Twitter uh, whose name is Rob, and he is a fellow Southern Ontario uh, board game fan, specifically of the eighteen XX type. And he follows us on Twitter, and he has noticed uh, some of our posts. And he's a big fan of 18 Max. And he reached uh, out to me, saying, Max games. Uh, reached out saying that he had this token or a marker or something that he recommended using as a priority uh, marker for 18 Max, because frankly, what comes with it is kind of lame. It's just a card, which is odd because uh, 1849 comes with uh, a nice little token. Uh, like a circular mm. sort of resin thing that uh, you know has a bit of heft and it's kind of interesting yeah. and it's kind of fun to hold on to so uh, Rob generously asked if he could uh, if I would like one and I said of course it's very generous of you and he shipped it and now we have this gorgeous looking um, I don't know what the how to describe it in Spanish but I guess it's some sort of uh, Day of the Dead themed or skull themed um Circular black and white uh, metal token for priority marker for eighteen max, which is fantastic and uh, it's extremely generous and lovely, and it's a, a wonderful uh, sign uh, from our listeners or at least fans of the uh, Twitter account <laughs> that and uh, trains. So, so our fame is you,
0: growing. That's right, <laughs> and we're finally getting some free stuff, some perks from our That's show. Right. It
1: only took four or five years. Just waiting for Rob to call in a huge favor, Mafia style now, to uh, well, I like, yeah, send yeah, you that yeah. token.
0: So. Remember when I gave you that token?
1: Uh, it is pretty nice. Alright, I'll bury the body with you. It's fine. But Yeah, yeah it's That's nice. Fair. I'm looking forward to using it. It's, uh, you've been out at the cottage. What are you playing out there? Well, it was actually really quiet in terms of uh, board games. We got, um, we, we've been playing a lot of Roll for the Galaxy, actually. Um, Kayla uh is a fan of it and we played a bunch we played three rounds of the base game pretty quickly back to back because you can probably knock them out within if you really know the game you could probably fly through them in 15 minutes per set um so we probably did uh three different games over an hour and a half on the one day and that was just a base game and it was fun you know checking dice selecting tiles abandoning searching for tiles i'm still not very good at it but um, i think we both are at enough of the same level that we kind of know what we're doing which is the best part and then the next time we played we added the expansion which is uh called ambition and what it adds is even more variety pardon me i didn't even know there was an expansion i think there are two I haven't heard good things yeah. about the second one. That's why we have not touched yeah. it. But uh, this one I've heard, and I, I believe it after uh, hearing the advice, is that this one just makes... M- it, the best expansions are the ones that are more of a good thing. And this one is more of a good thing. It provides more variety with the starting tiles you start with, so there's more randomness, and uh, feels like different games more likely. adds some more to the bag, so there's more to search from. And it also, importantly, adds two new types of dice that uh, even give you more interesting decisions and, and fun stuff to do in your turn. And the two types of dice are the leader die, which have two different symbols on them. And if you put in one column, and that one doesn't trigger, but the other one does, you're allowed to move that dice for free to the other one. Or it has a little dollar sign on it, which means if you activate that column, you get to take that dice right back to your cup. You don't have to pay for it after a... Um, after you use it which is cool so it just it, it almost speeds up the game in a way so and everyone starts with these leader dies and then the other new dice it adds are the entrepreneurs which are basically uh types of leader dies that you can purchase uh but they're not quite as i think they're there are different icons or faces on them as well but anyway that's it there there's also something that it adds uh, which are objectives to the game and we didn't touch those because the game rec- the expansion says don't touch these until you're more comfortable with the expansion in the base game. So I feel like we could have thrown them in, but we were having enough fun as it was. And I have a feeling, though, that based on what I saw, the objectives are similar to uh, how the lords work in Splendor, which is you want to be the first person to have uh, 3 of X or be the first person to have like 6 of Y, and you get commiserant sort of uh, victory points or uh, points associated with it. So like I said, haven't tried it yet, but I'm sure we will at some point. And it's just a fun, quick game that you can really, once you know what you're doing, and we were joking about something that we're going to talk about in a second, I'm sure. Um, But there are a few games that I find are just miserable to teach. And I think Roll for the Galaxy is unfortunately one of them because it's not complicated, but it's just complicated enough and it's just got enough extra wrinkles and weirdness to it that when you're trying to explain it, you can see the confusion, and you're doing your best not to overwhelm somebody, but it's, it, it's helpless, or hopeless. You're, you're going to walk away with people being confused, and all you can do is kind of be like, oh, okay, here's the overview. It's all on your little player sheet right in front of you, which is something actually Paxmere doesn't quite do properly. And I, I, that's maybe if I had any criticism of the game, it would be like there should be a little card that everybody gets that has a list of all the actions. And sort of a, a quick rundown of what it does versus those big sheets you just pass back and forth, and there are only two of. Okay. Um, so anyway, Did you ever
0: see somebody making like such a critical mistake that they're basically out of the game, and you're just cringing and wondering whether you should tell them not to do it or just like let them figure it in out what, on their in role? general, or in uh, uh role for the galaxy? Because obviously, uh... you, you saw it night in Pax Premier.
1: wow so we'll get to that um i'm i i don't play enough of it i'm not good enough at the game to notice that um it my issue is that with roll for the galaxy there's it does two things really it does something really well that it has this puerto rico's uh, follow the leader style thing but it's not that you do it and it's and it's better, and everyone else gets to follow you regardless. It's that you try to anticipate what the other person is going to do, and things you can you can for sure on your turn you have to make sure something triggers of all these different actions. But if you play your cards right, or throw your dice right, you can look at Kayla's board and see, oh, she's got let's say, uh, she's got no tiles and a lot of dice in her cup or in her citizenry, so she needs money and she needs to explore. So 100% she's going to put stuff down on Explore. So I don't have to put anything in there. I can just put stuff on that to take advantage of it, but I can purposefully trigger another column to make sure I get what I want. So I can get two of what I want and kill. Well, maybe if she's playing really smart, she knows that she's going to do this, and then she's going to look at mine and say, well, Jack's going to do this. He's going to piggyback on me, but I'm going to piggyback on him. Yeah, so you're you're kind of like trying to... Intri- uh, anticipate what other people are going to do, and eventually end up with hilarious things where it's you, both of you thought you, the other person was going to do something. You just like, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> Thanks, but um, with two players, yeah, You would ever do anything like because you see her set up to follow? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's well, you, if you real, that's another level. You'd have to really be know know what you're doing to do something like that. And I don't know if it's even in your interest, but it's. It, it, there's a lot of, if you, I think if you're at that level, maybe what like John's at, you might be looking at somebody intently and really paying attention to what they're doing. At my level, it's, it's more like, look out for number one, and maybe if you're, you're at cruising or you're doing well enough, you can pay attention to the other person and try to piggyback a bit. But it, it slows things down a lot if you're constantly staring and thinking about, gee, well, is she going to do this? Is she going to do that? Hmm. I think
0: it's a way to get an edge, or do you think it's better to just kind of like play, try to play into your best
1: game and then hope? No, 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 no. It's definitely you got if the if you're play if you're at top level, you're definitely anticipating what people are doing. Hmm. You're it, you're basically think of it in like Pax Turn it, of like having free actions. That's the best way to do it. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's and then we got to play one game of um, we did a two player game, of 1846 online. That uh, was a weirder game. But we, uh, it was very, very close. We were off by $17 for at like halfway, and then by the end, I think what happened is she had to pay out of pocket for something, and it was just like a huge discrepancy. So, what's going
0: there? You're sitting down at the same table with two different laptops and just facing off against each other like it's battleships, and you
1: got your screens up basically because it's like it's that i can bring 46 up to the cottage and just try to recreate this or just play online it's like you need to click start game or you can spend half an hour (laughs) setting up and messing things up and whatnot like if there's if there are three people for sure i'd rather i'll do it in person but i'm not with two people screw it and we know the game so um well all right well why don't we take a musical break and then we can hop back Mm. all right so stay tuned
2: they're gonna lay me, low. lay me low. They're gonna sink me lay in me the up. snow. They're gonna throw lay back their heads and crow. When I go, they're gonna jump and shout. Lay me low. They're gonna walk. About all stars will come out when I go, all the stars will glow bright, and my friends will give up the fight. They'll see my work in a different life. They'll try telephoning my mother But they'll end up getting my brother Who's still a story of someone gone lover That I hardly know Heads off to the man on top of the world Come crawl up here baby And I'll show you how it works If you wanna be my friend Then you Decide oh really He'll say I was a Malander and a bad Believe. lander and a thief Yeah when I go uh, they'll interview my teachers Who'll say I was one of God's Believe. sorry Believe. creatures They'll print informative Six page features When I go They'll bang a big old gun To the man on top of the world, come crawl up here, baby, and we can watch this damn thing turn. If you wanna be my friend, and you wanna repent, and you want it all to end, and you.
1: Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM Androids Dungeon. What you just heard was Lay Me Low from uh, by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds from 1994's Let Love In. I'm playing this because I was listening to this album uh, when I was driving up to the cottage and I think it is a great track that nobody ever talks about for some reason. So I'm playing it and it's great and I know more than you, so knock it off. Uh, When we left, we were talking about Roll for the Galaxy, Clash of Cultures, uh, Murder Hut game uh, We got to play a game tonight together with, uh, I don't think, is he a friend of the show? Do we know?
0: He's a beloved hero of the show, never been a friend.
1: Okay, so enemy of the show, Jason. Yeah, exactly. And um, we got to play Pax Pamir, three players at Jason's place. Thank you for hosting, Jason and uh i'll let joel take it from there sure well um hate to
0: say it like because you know jason was so kind to hosts and everything like that uh but he was the one that had been asking if you wanted to play pax and i think he's maybe only played it once maybe twice definitely Um, your place i think i was there for one of those games it's been a long time and i think it kind of showed because Pax premier is definitely one of those things where everybody needs to be cutthroat and know exactly what they're doing. And if you have two people that know what they're doing and one person that doesn't, it can kind of throw the whole game off. And I think that's what happened tonight. So there were a couple situations, probably at least three that I can remember, where um, he passed up on a on a card at the end of the lineup with two mu- two dollars on it. And even you know, regardless of you know what strategy you're taking and everything like that everything you become enabled when you have money and money can even sometimes get you in situations where you can get even more money and pax premier above all of the games i can think of it's very hard to get money and very powerful and if you're going to be spending money you better be getting some good out of it right Mm mm-hmm and I think in this situation, I think Jason was kind of just freewheeling, grabbing random stuff. And I think if we had sat down in a different order, we probably would have had a different winner. Because me sitting to the left of him and going after him was like taking candy from a baby. There were all these situations where it was like, okay, here we go. I'll just take that very, very obvious choice that you just passed up on, and
1: uh, and go on with it. What what did you think about that? Am I being unfair? If you're being totally fair, I, I think there were... At the beginning, I definitely was a little upset that he left a bunch of cash on there. Like there were, like you're saying, there were a couple of... Yeah. Um, you were shaking your head. Just, well, oh not man, even shaking I my, my head. It. It's just like the 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 cost-benefit on it was like, okay, a really lame card that doesn't really do much for you, or two bucks. It's like early on, you don't need to worry about that stuff because you're not really setting yourself up, really. And it, it's not that... I don't think you did anything wrong per se. I just think that the issue is that it's like when you're you're not doing anything wrong for yourself, but you're helping someone else more by not taking that cash, and that's where this like snowballing occurs. And I think the the issue is that he would spend money, and and he would he would he would basically leave tons of cash there, and then you'd hoover up everything. So I'd be spending money, and then by the time it got back to me, there's nothing for me to broke, even yeah. take. So, I was, I've never been so broke in a game of Pax Smear in my life. And I'm shocked by it because usually I always have some sort of taxing engine or something going. But even when I had tax available, there was nothing to tax, which was extremely frustrating. So, it was was a weird experience, but I think it was like, it was a very tight game overall. And I thought that, uh, um, I I don't know if Jason really could have done too much else. I don't think. I think everyone played really well. To be honest, like there's nothing. There was nothing I saw really that was, like, oh, what a mistake. Because to be honest, I probably would have said something if I had seen it. So,
0: yeah, that's fair. I just felt that like he definitely left a lot of money. Like I I don't think he was as tight with his money as he could have been. Like he was spending a little more than he should have on a few cards. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, like when when you have the option to take one of your two actions and pick up like a card with a bunch of money on it, I think that uh, any action that gives you two dollars that you don't have to give back, right it's It's kind of like there better be something much, much better as an option yeah. in order for you to pass that up. Yeah, and that I think just comes with experience. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think he was also like he seemed um, focused on getting a bunch of patriots when nobody was obviously going to go after him. There's, it's fine to have right. like like a buffer, but when it's clear that's like I'm not putting a bunch of troops down only to switch sides and try to like it would be interesting to see it, but it's probably not likely. But he, I really liked his his one dominance check when he went for the cylinders because it wiped the board and he got. Uh, he got his points like he did. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was perfectly fine. I'd love to see him. I hope he gets a copy. It'd be fun to get him playing. And uh, like, because when you the thing about Paxman is it's when you when you know how to play it and it goes so quickly. Um, And when I and when I say I mean, like, know how to play it, like you understand you're not sitting there explaining what the cards do or how it works. Like the game, it's like it can almost be a filler game or a warm up game. It's just so quick. Um, yeah
0: which is funny because we never thought of it that way before but that's probably because we were spending so much time reading the cards and thinking about what to do and now we just and kind teaching of people general idea
1: yeah yeah.
0: but uh, yeah it was I a great time I still love it though it's like one of those legendary top tier games that I would put in the ranks with like Concordia and stuff where it's like when you think about it you think man that's such a good game I gotta play
1: it again yeah. you know it's it's it is unlike anything else and it pl- it plays like unlike anything else maybe outside of the pack series. Um, it's just and this I, I say it every time, it is a nightmare to teach. It is an absolute nightmare to teach. I don't care if you've got a script, I don't care if you have a flow chart, I don't care if you've got the the historiography down pat. It is just Good luck. You need to have terminal velocity to teach this thing. And that means having. Yeah. T- if you're playing with three people, two have to know the game. If you're playing with four people, three have to know the game. That's how it works. Yeah. Or at it's the not-
0: very least, like be a Cole whirly fan and,
1: like, you know, have some investment in wanting to learn yeah. this. Yeah. Or, yeah, because the trick too is that it's just such a. It's so. Because, Joel, can you think of anything else that plays like it? No. <laughs> it's so unique. And weird. There's no base for it. There's nothing. Yeah. And, like, just when you think you've kind of figured it out, it's like... Oh, so and oh, by the way, the spies work like this. They kind of move around on the cards. Oh, my God. Yeah. You can tax, but only in certain spots. And you, can, and you can bribe, and you can assassinate. And if you lose this guy, you lose these. And if you lose these, you lose these. And it's like... Uh, uh, uh. Oh, and also, there are these edge cases. If you notice on the card here, there's some special text. That gives me special power for this. Just, no. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. So and and like the events
0: and like the changing of events, how they're different every game and just the the sort of like um, it's like an ecology of the market row where it like sort of changes. Who's the Patriots sitting on there? You know, what kind of uh, suits are there? What kind of suits can be the suits can be played? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's so cool. There's a lot And you going get out. into that red suit situation where all of a sudden the market is just like off limits, and all of a sudden the whole game gets paused because nobody, nobody can buy anything.
1: Well, some of us could have bought stuff.
0: So, <laughs> 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 well, yeah. I mean, but um, I was gonna say I want to talk about one moment in this game because I okay. thought it was really special, uh, and it was like one of those aha moments where you know, you know, the game is just such so much depth to it in these cards that it's like very baffling. And like, obviously I don't know the cards and I'm like reading each one. And like, usually I just look at the symbols because I don't have well, yeah. to read everything that it does until yeah. I've got it in my hand yeah, yeah, or, you know, how much money is on it. It's obviously another obvious choice, but uh, there was a moment where I took a pause and I looked at the market on someone else's turn. And I realized that, one of the things that was happening in, in this game, this game that we just played, was that you were doing really well at the start. You had like more commitment on dominance. You had more... Uh, um, what do you call the pips? The bonums. Just some more cylinders out. The, yeah, more cylinders out. So you're winning on dominance. You're winning on non-dominance. And there didn't seem to be anything we could do about it. And you had this chokehold on Herat. And I had these Herat cards that I wanted to play. And yeah. I was like, I don't know, there's nothing I can do it about it. And then Jason the came in, in he paid you a little bit of money just to, yeah, to get sort of like even there. And so we had two rulers of Herat, And I was like, oh, I still can't do anything. And then I looked and yeah, Rides of Herat was there. So I wasted a turn, discarded the card that I bought and I spent $2 just to, just to get to that event. You know, I yeah. just wanted that event to fall off the end of the board.
1: I didn't it even was notice Beautiful, well.
0: because all of a sudden riots are hot triggers. All those tribes come out. You know, you don't have a chokehold on Herat anymore. You lose your cylinder dominance, and you and Jason both have to put away all your political cards in rot And it was like, whoa, that was just such a big game changer. And it was just one of those moments where it was like, just something small like that, like just making mm-hmm. one card go to the end of the thing, and like not even caring about what your and can actually completely swing the game. Yeah, it's pretty
1: cool. I did to be honest, Joel. I didn't even see that card, I don't even know when that showed up. To be honest, I think I don't know if things were just getting purchased so quickly, and I just was, yeah, and it could attention. have been
0: bought, and either of you could have bought it and like prevented that. And I was like, oh, this
1: is so cool. Um, all right, Packs from here, obviously, Um yeah, still great.
2: Excuse me,
1: uh, favorite game. Uh, and I've said it before I think it might be like a top 10 if like, you had to make like top 10 of all time I think I'd have mm-hmm. to slide it in there um, moving on to not quite top 10 material but I want to hear more about how because Joel sent me a cryptic message he's he's keeping this I say cryptic that's a little that's pushing it. but he's got this side game of Ghosts of Saltmarsh going and oh yeah. There is a situation where uh, this party is—they're all level eight—and they're on this island, and apparently they're having trouble doing more than like ten damage a turn or something. And I need Joel to explain to me very quickly how is this even possible.
0: Well, like I don't know if they're calculating right, but they're basically saying like every time they hit, it's like a D six plus three or something like that. I'm just—I don't know how it's possible, but like for example, there's a rogue on the team. So obviously, rogues always only get one attack, but make up for it by doing sneak attacks. And obviously, you're an expert on that. You know how that works. Clearly, this guy does not. So he never ends up getting the sneak attack. And then, um, you oh, know, What's he, he doing on his turn a as a rogue? T6.
1: Oh, my God. I don't
0: know. Yeah, it's <laughs> one situation. So uh, I don't know if you remember much about tamarot's fate but there's a third wave where there's assassins and the assassins are very powerful and like kind of the leaders and they silently gesture for the rest of the monsters move um i don't recall that specifically sorry i think in our in your game i think one of you just i think it was mark just kind of charged (laughs) out (laughs) charged out and just went ham yeah um so basically there's a situation where there's a powerful guy that's sitting on the mountainside and there's some like kind of medium and low power guys down below. And, you know, often in a, in a big fight like that, you think, okay, I want to take out the big guy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so this was their mentality. So the rogue went, I'm going to take my action to move. And then I'm going to take my bonus action, or I'm going to take my movement to move. And then I'm going to take my bonus action to move again with dash to get as close to that assassin as possible so that oh my next god. turn i can you know go and gank it oh my god so he didn't sneak over even though they had cast pass without trace and he could have you know attempted to hide um he just ran as close as he could so he was like 40 feet away from the assassin so the assassin fires off two bolts both of them do poison damage it was like thunk, thunk. And then, oh my god. Uh, you know, the assassin gestures to all the other monsters, you know, this is the guy, and the, all the other monsters turn and face towards him, and then on their turn, they're coming towards him, and obviously he has to wait for all of them to go, because he's just gone, yeah. and so he ends up getting surrounded by, like, three monsters, you got the assassin firing down on him, and he's just like, thank god rogues have disengaged. That oh my god. But basically, at that point, you know, like if you got ten health, you don't really want to come out and do melee damage, right? Because you're just gonna get toasted.
1: So you're you're watching all this go, though. But my question is, how do you get to level eight and not understand? And this isn't meant to be like, this isn't meant to be snide or anything. But how do you get that far in the game and not understand how the game works? Because that's like it's been that many sessions. And this yeah. isn't like a, it's not like just there were eight sessions. There there have been more than eight. And I don't know how you even succeed at the game without doing like understanding how things work. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I think it really takes you know one of the weeks of like many weeks. Sometimes you're in these campaigns for uh, almost a year. Um, of just you know spending some of your your week away researching your character researching your class and trying to figure out what you need to do and i think if if you're not doing that you're just showing up for the for the game night or whatever or what uh the session uh you're gonna have you're just gonna you're never gonna understand what's going on i mean just looking at this guy's items i mean he's got a similar scimitar plus one which is always nice man he's got a javelin and lightning which is also pretty cool, which I didn't see him use. Um, but, you know, like, he's plus 5 to hit, and he does a d6 plus 5. Okay. Which ends up being not very much damage.
1: Okay.
0: He's got a short bow that's plus 7 to hit and does a d6 plus 4. And obviously, sneak attack, as you know, is what, like 4 extra d6s?
1: Well, yeah, like level 8, What should At be level 4 or eight?
0: 5 it's 46 yeah Yeah. so that's on top of the damage that you're already doing so obviously you're more than doubling it and that's how you end up doing you know i respect i think at level eight you should be doing like 20 to 30 damage a turn
1: well it's wow i don't know about the rogue but it feels like it should be a a decent amount right like something that feels like you're making taking chunks off the enemy but what about the spellcasters? how how many do you have I would say
0: that the Cleric is the one that's doing the most. He's kind of doing like what Mark did with his Storm Cleric. He's got Spirit Guardians. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry did that really well, too, with the Trickster Cleric. Spirit <laughs> Guardians is. is a fantastic thing where you've just got the tiny little cupids. He's got tiny little baby sharks oh. <laughs> swimming around him going tom-tom-tom-tom. And oh, uh, just does tons of damage, right? And then uh, he also can cat- create a spiritual weapon, which is not concentration so you can have that hitting as a bonus action so cleric i i think we've already said this but uh or maybe it was just in a conversation chat but if you were to create a team of a single class cleric does it all it heals it's a tank it does tons of damage with all of its spiritual AoE stuff. um It's just overall, I think the best best class, which is kind of sad because it's also kind of boring. Like I'm I'm not a huge cl- fan of the cleric to play. I don't think it, it's it's very exciting for me.
1: I've never played a cleric, and I think my issue is that it's it's never really intrigued me because it's it maybe just the idea of like playing because are, there aren't there aren't any there aren't a paladin class, is there? If that's cleric.
0: Yep, there is a paladin. Okay. So like it's to me like, like
1: less spells, more tanky. All right. So I guess at the end of the day it just doesn't doesn't strike me because it's like I guess you could play an evil cleric which would be kind of fun, but it, it, I it just even like the role playing part of the cleric bugs me a bit. It just doesn't get the noggin a joggin unlike some of these other classes like a wizard is kind of fun. Or... Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, I think it's just kind of not thematic to us. We're not going to be some holy holy worshipper of a deity who's, you know,
1: well, I think Stefan played uh, um, a a tier cleric or a cleric of tier or something, and okay. a, a dwarf, and I think he played it pretty well. The with God him. of War, yeah, um, justice or something.
0: Uh, there is a barbarian Ugrish who is played by Stefan, who is pretty like min max, well played, but he was actually away this week, so oh, maybe that was we had like three and a half hours of combat where the the fight hadn't ended, and oh, I just stop, had to stop, call stop, the stop. game.
1: Three and a half hours?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was, like, I gave them 15 minutes before the combat began to kind of strategize, and they did do a bit of that, but basically what they ended up deciding was, we're going to go to the wall above the front garden. we're not going to hold up in the base at all, we're just going to face them head-on. And so they're okay. just hit getting hit by
1: waves all and
0: right. having no help.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> so... Without you know dwelling on this too much, do you think this is, is is when you're DMing something like this and you're setting up an obvious scenario and this this horde situation and your player characters are making strange choices or you're kind of going oh well this could be rough? Do you pull punches or do you just do whatever you're going to do and let the dice fall?
0: I don't pull punches per se as far as what the monsters do because i think that's kind of the scary and exciting thing where you think you could lose yeah what i do pull is this monster has 48 health i'm seeing these people repeatedly do six or seven damage so, uh, all behind like six the scenes, turns. like kind of, like, double it. I'll be like, oh, that probably should have been 14 or something, you know, if he was playing right. And yeah. so, I'll I'll do a lot more damage to the monsters. And then, like, let's say the monster's at 18 health and someone does 9 damage. Usually, I'll just be like, and that's a kill, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I just want the game, I want the fight to go faster, right? I don't care. Um whether or not the players achieve the accomplishment of like beating this challenge. Like if it's very clear that they're not, or if, if they are going to succeed, but it's going to take another hour, you know, I'm just going to make it happen now.
1: Well, isn't that one of those sly flourish things where he says, if it's like, Oh
0: yeah. If the fight's already
1: over kind of thing, if the fight's over or if it's kind of like, if it's determined as far as you're concerned and you think it's just going to, if you think your players aren't doing too much beyond just like attacking, attacking yeah
0: well the, the key thing in this was i wanted everybody to get hit at least once to get a chance to contract blue rot oh <laughs> did it work <laughs> so far i think there's only one person that doesn't have it
1: well there they go good for them <laughs> <laughs> all right cool all right well let's end it here uh yeah. androids dungeons cfru 93fm check us out on facebook through the guelph board gamers group uh, if you pass our skill testing question you can join hint it's just proving that you're not a bot from india that's trying to join the, uh, the group and, it happens. and it happens
0: apparently there's this new i don't know i got this notification from facebook that maybe that you don't have to get approved to join groups anymore but we are supposed to
1: vet posts which i think is stupid but that sounds bizarre, and just like if you need another reason to ditch uh, Facebook, there's one of them. But whatever. Uh, check us out on Twitter at uh, AD Radio CFRU and shoot us an email at droiddungeonradio at gmail dot com. Hopefully, we'll be putting out some. Well, I mean, November just hilarious. November is insanely busy. Maybe December we might have, try to have some public games or get some stuff where we can get some. See if we can get some people who we don't normally play with playing some games. But, uh, you know, until then, I think it's just a safe thing to uh, just keep listening to us. Listening to The Greatest Show on CFRU by a mile and enjoying the quality content that you hear. So, on that note, I'm Jack.
0: But, Chris, I'm waiting for my loyalty check. Or
1: royalty checks. <laughs> From royalty. all the money we're making. <laughs> the royalties are coming in and we'll be driving our uh, pink Lambos around Guelph. Yeah. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay.